Murder on the Music Scene has rebranded. We are now going by the name Mysterious-ish. Join us for Season 2 of Mysterious-ish, where we will be discussing conspiracy theories such as time travel and aliens. Season 2 premieres March 22nd with two new episodes. Murder on the Music Scene contains graphic and explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Murder on the Music Scene, the podcast where a music educator and a music enthusiast discuss the deaths of musicians and the mysteries surrounding them. I'm Caitlin. I'm Erica. And my dog keeps perking her ears up and staring at me while I'm saying our intro. And today we are going to be discussing the death of Bob Marley. She was triggered. Oh, oh. She had to turn around. I guess. She's just a... She's, oh. just, she's just as upset as you are. She just turned around and stopped looking at me. She just literally betrayed me. She's like this fucking bitch. <laughs> what the hell, Macy? This is podcast time, Macy. God. Yeah, podcast time. You're being distracting. Okay. Well, I don't think we have much to discuss at this point. And we should probably just get into it because most of this is just going to be me screaming. Can't wait. Okay, here we go. You ready, Macy? She's ready. Okay. (laughs) I don't think she is. She's gonna. She's going to go. When I start screaming, she is literally going to jump off your lap and start hiding under your chair. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So as we narrate my my dog's life. Oh, she's so cute. Nice. (laughs) All right. Robert Nesta Marley was born on February 6th, 1945 in nine, starting off great here, in Nine Miles, St. Anne Parish, Jamaica. His father's name was Norval Sinclair Marley, who was from Crowborough, or maybe it's Crowborough, like Edinburgh, I don't know, East Sussex in England. Um, his mother was Sedella Malcolm, who was a singer-songwriter who was just 18 years old when Norval claimed to be a captain in the Royal Marines. But um, he was actually just an overseer at a plantation. So let's, let's keep in mind that um, this marriage is a marriage between a 59-year-old white man who was claiming authority and an 18-year-old black woman who was more than likely being taken advantage of. So uh, I would also just like, when I like looked up when he was born, he was born in 1885. In my mind, like my brain could not comprehend that. <laughs> I was like, wait, stop. Wait. wait. <laughs> stop. <laughs> That's like a whole ass different century, but I can't. So Norval wasn't always... <sighs> Norval wasn't, (laughs) I know, it's terrible. It really, like, I don't know, it really reminds me of, like, Norbit for some reason. I don't know. Norman. Yeah. I hate the word, the word, the name Norman. 
My grandpa's name is Norman. I can't, sorry, Grapes. <laughs> I can't. Luke likes it. And I'm like, oh. no, because every time I hear the name Norman, I'm like, Norman. Oh, God. No. Um, well, my grandpa's nickname in the army was Storm and Norman. Oh. So, <laughs> so there's that. That made it cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Having anger issues is cool. <laughs> It's fine. Since we have two mics now, the audience, the audience, the listeners, whatever, whoever the fuck you are that's listening, (laughs) they're going to get like the biggest earful of just wheezing from us. So I hope they like our wheezing. It's going to be really good audio quality, but also I hope you enjoy our wheezing. So, (laughs) so anyways, Norval wasn't always present in Bob and Sadella's lives. But he did provide for them financially. Um, He died in 1955 of heart failure when Bob was just 10 years old. Um, I don't really know how to paraphrase this quote from Britannica, so I'm just going to read it word for word. Marley's maternal grandfather was not just a prosperous farmer, but also a bush doctor adept at the mysticism steeped herbal healing that (laughs) guaranteed respect in Jamaica's remote hill country. A bush doctor adept at the mysticism steeped herbal healing. Did you sneeze? Bless you. (laughs) Anyways. Yeah, I don't... On with the films. (laughs) Keep it rolling. So, um, a bush doctor is not a gynecologist, contrary to uh, Urban Dictionary's belief. But a bush doctor is basically an herbalist, so they believe in natural cures rather than pills to take the pain away. Um, I read this article <laughs> that details what a bush doctor is, and this line made me cackle. Oh, it says, quote, Inside, tall sacks of dried herbs and roots lean against the wall alongside dozens of plastic jugs filled with dark elixirs with names like anti-cancer treatment, multi-action blood purifier, and female delight. What the fuck is female delight? Is that like, is it like an aphrodisiac? You know what I mean? Like, is it supposed to get them horny? I don't know. Made me a little uncomfortable. It also made me cackle, like, pretty hard. I was like, oh, okay, just like that. Oh, oh. <laughs> why does anyone listen to this? Okay. Listeners, are you there? Hello? No, this is where they left. <laughs> they gone. We're just talking to ourselves at this point. So, anyways, uh, back to Bob Marley here. You know, the whole reason that we're here in this room right now. So, Bob. Good old Bob was known for being shy, but he also had a, quote, penchant for palm reading. So he was a boy of many talents. He was a little witchy himself. Yeah. As I listened to, like, four hours of of Wicca podcast this morning, it's fine. Don't worry about it. I just really want to get into Wicca. It's fine. Yeah, that's fine. So the same Britannical article very boldly claimed that Norval had basically kidnapped Bob and taken him to Kingston, Jamaica to live with an elderly woman until a family friend found him and took him back to Nine Miles. However, I could not find this anywhere else. No other article or book substantiated this claim, so I don't know how much truth there is in it. Uh, So just take that with a grain of salt. Most of the other articles that I read said that Norval was a very absent father, and some even claimed that he literally only ever saw his son once in his entire life. So listen, here's where I start screaming. 
Would you like to run? <laughs> would you like to run away, Macy? So listen, this timeline is all over the place. You hear that, Macy? All over the place. I'll try and we'll try and keep up. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I tried for so long, and I had googled so much shit, and I could not figure it out. It was ridiculous. You saw my sources list. Mm-hmm. I also had like. 20 fucking tabs open trying to figure out this shit so you also spent a long time on it i literally spent probably six hours doing this research between two hours sunday night and four hours last night it was insane i was so angry by the time i was done with it so bear with me here okay bob bob marley bob boy had a friend named neville livingston so we've got norval who was his dad and he's dead Okay. So Bob Marley and Neville Livingston, they're buds. Mm. Okay. He will come back into play later. Late, later, later. <laughs> well, if we still had any listeners now, they're definitely gone. <laughs> so um, Neville's father, whose name was Thaddeus, had a daughter with Bob's mom, Sidella. This daughter was named Claudette Pearl. So Neville, Neville's dad, Thaddeus and Bob's mom, Sadella. So Thaddeus and Sadella had Pearl. Yes. But so now, now Bob and his friend Neville, look at your notes, Caitlin. Bob and his friend Neville are now connected by a sister. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Everything that I read said that Pearl was born in 1964. But also, Everything that I read said that Sadella had married a man named Edward Booker in 1963. But Pearl is 100% Thaddeus Livingston's daughter. So I don't fucking know. I don't know. I tried so hard. I searched. I searched day and night. I couldn't. I went to the sketchiest websites. I tried so fucking hard. There is not a damn thing. Okay. I don't know if, like, Sadella was pregnant with Pearl when she married Edward. I don't fucking know. I'm sorry. I tried really hard for you guys. Okay. So, that's one. One confusing part of this timeline. So, let's add another. Here we go. So, when Bob was 12, so this is before Pearl is born, okay? When Bob is 12, Bob, Sadella, his mom, moved with Neville and Thaddeus to Trenchdown, Kingston, which was a very, very poor part of Jamaica, often called the ghetto. I don't really like that word, but whatever. So if this happened, if they moved when Bob was 12, that would be in like 1957. So were Sadella and Thaddeus just dating until 1963 when she married Edward Booker? I'm just... I'm just confused. And also, that means that there was, like, a 19-year age difference between Bob and Pearl. I I don't get it. I, like, I don't know that Pearl was necessarily born in 1964. I, that would be, like, a very geriatric pregnancy for Sadella, especially back in the 50s, 60s, sorry. But, like, she also had two more children with Edward Booker. So she would have been, like, in her 40s by the time she had those two sons. I don't know. Pearl and um, I believe their names are Richard and Anthony have done a phenomenal job of keeping her keeping themselves out of the spotlight because there's like not a damn thing online about any of them. 
the most I could find here's here's a little a uh, little nugget of tea um that's actually pretty sad so maybe it's not tea but um Bob's younger brother Anthony was actually killed in a police shootout in mm. 1990 and he was only 19 years old Bruh. yeah so that's really sad but that's literally the only thing I could find. I could not find anything about Richard besides his name was Richard and his dad was Edward Booker. I couldn't find his birthday. I don't know if he was older or younger than Anthony. Not a clue. No idea. Anyways, um, Bob, Neville, and their parents are all living in Trenchtown, Kingston. And the two boys had already begun uh, playing music together when they lived in Nine Mile. But them living together in Trenchtown made it much easier for them to explore their musical interests. So <clears throat> they experimented with ska music as well as R&B. And at this point, Neville Livingston started going by Bunny Whaler. So Neville is no more. He is now Bunny. Okay. okay. So Bob, Bunny, and another guy named Peter Tosh formed a vocal group, which would change names multiple times. They started out as the Teenagers moved to the Wailing Rude Boys, the Wailing Wailers, and finally settled on just the Wailers. So none of the boys could play instruments at the time. Um, they were just doing vocal harmonies. But Joe Higgs of Higgs and Wilson, who I don't know, sorry, not sorry, um, they he helped develop, he helped the group develop their vocal harmonies and eventually taught Bob how to play guitar. So we're really just going to skip to the good parts now because I couldn't find anything between <laughs> moving to Trenchtown and 1962. So in February of 1962, Bob Marley recorded four singles as a solo artist. They were Judge Not, One Cup of Coffee, Do You Still Love Me, and Terror. And these were recorded for Leslie Kong, who was a local music producer. And three of the songs were released under Kong's record label, which was called Beverly's. The Wailers, uh, now joined by Junior Braithwaite, <laughs> Beverly Kelso, and Cherry Smith. I definitely butchered the first one and I'm not, sorry. I don't know, Braithwaite, maybe? I don't know. There's a lot of vowels in there. So um, they were noticed, the Whalers were now noticed by a record producer named Coxone Dodd. Beautiful. C-O-X-S-O-N-E Dodd. I don't fucking know. Beautiful. So they released their first single, which was called Simmer Down. Um, they released that in 1963, and it topped the Jamaican charts by February of 1964. The band now found themselves regularly recording for Studio One alongside famous musicians such as Ernest Wranglin, keyboardist Jackie Mito, Me, Me Too, Jackie Me Too, mm -hmm. and my favorite, saxophonist Roland Alfonso. I don't know him. I just like his name. Uh, they released their debut album titled The Wailing Wailers in 1965. However, in 1966, <laughs> however, in 1966, Braithwaite, Kelso, and Smith all left the Wailers to pursue solo careers. Um, this caused the original trio of Bob, Bunny, and Peter, Pete, Peter, I don't remember, sorry, uh, they took a hiatus. And during this hiatus on February 10th, 1966, 
Bob Marley married Alpharita Constantia Anderson, a.k.a. Rita Anderson. Wow. Wow. Look at my last name being everywhere. My maiden name wouldn't be everywhere if it was still my maiden name. So he then moved to Wilmington, Delaware in the U.S. where his mother lived with her new husband, Edward Booker. Um, Here, here's some tea. Here, Bob worked as a lab assistant for DuPont. Now, if any of our listeners uh, love Bailey Sarian as much as I do, uh, they will recognize that name. And yes, it is, in fact, the DuPont from Bailey's first episode of Dark History. I checked. Because wow. I read it and I was like, mm, wait, there's a scandal. They like poison people with like chemicals and shit. Not eh, animals. They first poison animals with chemicals. And I think it eventually spread to the people and like it's supposed to not be happening anymore. But who the fuck knows? The government likes to hide shit. Anyways, so Bob Marley worked for DuPont as well as for Chrysler as a forklift operator during his time in the United States. But he only lived in Delaware for about eight months before returning to Jamaica, where he reunited with Bunny and Peter. Um, He also became interested in the Rastafarian belief system, which is something that he was hugely famous for. Um, So the Whalers are reunited, but they left Mr. Coxhone Dodd. I'm just going to call him Dodd. It's fine. Dodd. (laughs) Ew. Uh, so they left Dodd after a financial disagreement and they instead teamed up with Lee Scratch Perry and his band, the Upsetters, to record a number of songs. What? You're very cute. Many of these songs are still considered to be the band's greatest works. So the Whalers released their first international album titled Soul Rebels in 1970 And in 1972, Bob Marley signed with CBS Records and went on a UK tour with Johnny Nash. No idea who that is. Um, This is... Yeah, ooh, I don't fucking know who that is. the Walmart version of Johnny Cash. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) I don't know why that got me. That was fucking funny. You're funny. Woo. My baby tells me that I should become a comedian every day. <laughs> we should start a podcast, you know, people might laugh at us or something. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Is that what this is? <laughs> so, you went on the great value version of Johnny Cash. You went on tour with Johnny Nash. And this is when the Whalers, um... Asked to be introduced to uh, Chris Blackwell, who owned Island Records. Um, Blackwell had actually licensed some of the songs that um, had been released under Dodd. The Whalers wanted to discuss royalties with Blackwell, but Blackwell needed a new reggae star. So the Whalers signed with Island Records. Uh, 1973 was a big year for the Whalers. They released three albums, which were Catch a Fire, African Herbsman and Burnin, all in the same year. Um, this was probably due to their move to Island Records. They probably made a deal that they would pump out a lot of music that year. Catch a Fire was well-received and sent Bob Marley into stardom. Uh, one of my articles said that he was a very charismatic man and everyone just wanted to be him. Burnin uh, featured the song, 
shot the sheriff, which was covered by Eric Clapton. I feel like we talk about Eric Clapton a lot. He just keeps coming back. It's like the third time we've mentioned him in the last 19 episodes. So, um, fun fact, the Whalers were hired to open 17 shows in the U.S. for the band Sly and the Family Stone, but they were fired after four shows because they were more popular than the group that they were opening for. I would be pissed if I were that headlining band, too, so. For sure. So, um, this fame and success and, like, popularity, yeah, it didn't last long because the Whalers disbanded in 1974. Oh. Mm -hmm. So, all three of the members pursued a solo career, but Bob Marley continued to record as Bob Marley and the Whalers. The Whalers, being his backup band, which consisted of, this is a long list, here we go, Carlton and Aston Barrett, Barrett, sorry, mm. Junior Marvin, Al Anderson, Tyrone Dow- Downey, Earl Lindo, and Alvin Patterson. Um, the female trio, the I3s, provided uh, backing vocals. And fun fact, Rita, his wife, was in the I3s. Are you playing musical people? Do you want Erica? I don't know what you want, but I can't read my notes. <laughs> You're standing right in my way. You know that? She's like, I know, Mom. I'm just being cute. Okay, but I need you to lay down or move. Can you, ma'am? Excuse me, ma'am. Ma'am. Can you? Oh, sorry. I touched your paw. Lay down. Thank you. You made me lose my place. Oh. In 1975, Bob released what would become his international breakthrough single, No Woman, No Cry, the live version. Um, he then released what would be his uh, breakthrough album in the U.S., which was called Rastaman Vibration, and that was released in 1976. On December 3rd, 1976, an unknown man entered Bob Marley's home and attacked Bob, Rita, and Bob's manager, Don Taylor, with a gun. He, the man, shot all three of them. Don Taylor and Rita were seriously injured, but made full recoveries, and Bob Marley received minor injuries to his chest and arm i don't know who's calling me but i don't want to talk to you um this attack was suspected to be politically motivated due to the smile jamaica tour oh sorry smile jamaica concert that was to be held two days later this concert was organized to quote erase the tension between two warring political groups um the attack did not stop bob marley from performing at the concert however just two days after being injured When asked why he still performed, Bob responded, quote, the people who are trying to make this world worse aren't taking a day off. How can I? He's so wholesome. So Bob left Jamaica after this attack and moved to London, and he lived there for two years. While there, he wrote two new albums, one titled Exodus, which featured singles Exodus, Waiting in Vain, Jamming, and One Love. Um, he also released another album titled... I think it's Kaya. I'm not sure if it's Kaya or Kaya. It's K-A-Y-A. Um, he released that in 1978. Also, while in London, <laughs> Bob was arrested and convicted for possession of marijuana. <laughs> oh, yeah. The devil's lettuce. Well, we'll get into his beliefs in there. 
because it has something it has everything to do with the Rastafarian belief system. So in 1978, Bob returned to Jamaica and performed at another political concert called the One Peace, whoop, shit, called the One Love Peace Concert in the same vein as the Smile Jamaica concert from the two, from two years prior. Um, so it was also politically to ease tensions, whatever. So this was a breakthrough concert, politically speaking, as Bob, Bob Marley, requested that Michael Manley of the People's National Party and rival Edward Siga of the Jamaica Labor Party, that might be Jamaican labor, I don't know, that might be a typo, um, but they, quote, joined each other on stage and shook hands mm-hmm. after Bob Marley requested it. Just bring people together all over the place. Sweet guy. So the album um, Babylon by Bus was a double live album with 13 tracks and it was released in 1978. This one featured jamming, which showed the audience, quote, in a frenzy and exemplified the intensity of Bob Marley's performances. In 1979, a very politically charged survival was released in 1979. I just said it twice. I hate it here. (laughs) This album featured tracks like Zimbabwe, Africa Unite, Wake Up and Live, and Survival. This album shed light on Bob's support for the struggles of Africans. In July of that year, he appeared at the Amandala, I'm sorry, festival in Boston to show his opposition to apartheid, which was happening in South Africa at the time. He was also invited to perform for Zimbabwe's Independence Day on April 17th, 1980. Uh, the album Uprising would be Bob Marley's 14th and final album of his lifetime. This album is considered one of his most religious, as it includes songs such as Redemption Song and Forever Loving Jaw. It might be Yaw, but I'm assuming it's Jaw. Uh, J-A-H. So now we're going to backtrack a little, a little bit to get this full timeline. So in July of 1977... Bob Marley was diagnosed with a type of malignant melanoma under his toenail. Apparently, it's an urban legend that he received this lesion during a game of football, but this is false. Um, This malignant melanoma was actually a symptom of pre-existing cancer. After seeing two doctors and receiving a biopsy, Bob Marley was diagnosed with acral lentiginous melanoma. Nailed it. Which occurs in places that are easy to miss, such as, like, under your toenail, you know. So Bob went against his doctor's recommendations to have the toe amputated due to his religious beliefs. Um, Instead, they removed the nail and the nail bed and it was replaced with a skin graft from his thigh. He continued touring throughout his illness and was actually planning a 1980 world tour what is your face? Just, just the toenail thing. Sorry. <laughs> I know. I know. I just kind of glossed over it because it grosses me the fuck out. I can't do it. So, following the European stint. God, why can't I speak? I literally almost said European tint. European stint of the tour to support the album Uprising. Bob returned to New York and performed two shows at Madison Square Garden. He later collapsed while jogging in Central Park and was taken to the hospital. 
Here, they discovered that his cancer has had spread to his brain, lungs, and liver. Two days later, on September 23, 1980, Bob performed his last concert at the Stanley Theater in Pittsburgh. In the coming months, the cancer would worsen and spread throughout the rest of his body. Uh, he would seek out treatment in a, at a clinic in Bavaria, Germany, where he would undergo a number of alternative cancer treatments. This sucks, and I didn't want to write it in my own words, so here it is verbatim from Wikipedia. Quote, After eight months of effectively failing to treat his advancing cancer, Marley boarded a plane for his home in Jamaica. During the flight, Marley's vital functions worsened. After landing in Miami, Florida, he was taken to Cedars of Lebanon Hospital for immediate medical attention, where he died on 11th May, 1981, aged 36, due to the spread of melanoma to his lungs and brain. His final words to his son, Ziggy, were, money can't buy life. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, and I said 11 May because apparently a British person wrote this. So, May 11th, 1981 for us, uh... <laughs> Americans here. <laughs> so Bob Marley had a state funeral in Jamaica, which combined ele- elements. <laughs> I'm sure the elephants came. Which and combined elephants. I'm sorry. This isn't funny. I'm nervous laughing. <laughs> His funeral combined elements of Ethiopian orthodoxy and Rastafari tradition. He was buried with his guitar. Oh. So I briefly mentioned bob's uh political and religious stance but i kind of want to get a little bit more into it because it played such a heavy role in his music oh yeah for sure like obviously mm-hmm. so one of the beliefs of rastafarians is that marijuana or ganja as they call it can aid in meditation um he also believed in the unity of african people across the world as shown by his song africa unite um he believed that all african countries gaining their independence from European dominion was a victory for all of the African people who had been removed from their countries and enslaved. There is so much more behind the psychology of Bob Marley's music. He was heavily influenced by his Rastafarian beliefs, as well as the lack of his father's presence when he was alive. Um, I read through a very interesting article from debate.uvm.edu that discusses this and deep dives into quotes and lyrics from Bob Marley. I can't get into it completely because it would take way too much time that we just don't have. And also, I'm sure that me spewing this information at you would bore the actual fuck at you. Of you. Wait, fuck. uh, Shit. I messed that up big time. You know what I mean. So, um, but if this is something that, like, interests you, go to the blog on our website, murderonthemusicscene.com, and find the link to this article. Um, if you click on the episode, it'll be at the very bottom underneath all of the pictures. It's a very interesting article. You get, like, some pretty good insight into just the psychology and things that, very wise things that Bob Marley said. He was a very wise man. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to check that out myself. Yeah, no. No shit. It's really interesting. I read through it. It's a lot. And they use a lot of big words that I had to Google. But... <laughs> um, so, okay. One more thing and then I promise I'll shut up. So, this was Bob's eulogy delivered by Jim... I'm assuming it's probably just a portion of his eulogy because it's not that long. Um, I'm going to tell you his entire eulogy. 
Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to <laughs> yes. recite his whole funeral service. No. Um, but this eulogy was delivered by Jamaican Prime Minister Edward Sega, who I have mentioned before. So, quote, His voice was an omnipresent cry in our electronic world. His sharp features, majestic looks, and prancing style, a vivid etching on the landscape of our minds. Bob Marley was never seen. He was an experience which left an indelible imprint on e with each encounter. Such a man cannot be erased from the mind. He is part of the collective consciousness of the nation. Woo! Yeah. And even though he's been gone, oh, fuck, 30 years at this point. Wait, stop. 40 years at this point. I can math. His music is still so influential. Mm -hmm. And people still, like, thoroughly believe in Bob Marley. Like, they love him so much. He's a good dude. Good dude. All right, I'll shut up now. You're good. Should we talk about some conspiracies? Yeah. Let's get some conspiracies. Here we go. So would you believe it if I told you the CIA did it? Oh my fucking god. <laughs> Last week it was ah. ISIS. <laughs> this week is the CIA. <laughs> so apparently there was a guy on his deathbed that confessed this. Like a, a former CIA agent? Yeah. Oh my god. Yep. Bill, his name is Bill Oxley. Oh. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh there's actually a video i kind of watched the video but i mostly went off the article because like the article really just like briefly explained the youtube video mm -hmm. so if you want to watch the youtube video the youtuber's name is willie d he does this whole conspiracy on about like this bill guy confessing on his deathbed mm. about killing bob marley mm. So in the video, Oxley uh, claims that he has committed 17 assassinations. <laughs> it's fine. Claimed he committed 17 assassinations between March 1974 and August 1985. It also goes on to explain that the CIA usually targeted political activists, journalists, and union leaders, but would mm. also target scientists, medical researchers, artists, and musicians. Yes, ma'am. Jimi Hendrix, Bob Marley, mm. eventually Tupac. Mm. People that are just speaking on things that they don't want them speaking about. Yep, yep. That's just how it works. Mm -hmm. And musicians whose ideas and influence represented a threat of interest to the U.S. Mm. So basically, Bob Marley was a threat. Yeah, um, for sure, because he, you know, wanted black people to be treated equally. God fucking forbid. Mm. Jesus Christ, how dare you have those <laughs> thoughts? That is such sarcasm, in case you couldn't sense that from my voice. I just don't want to get shit for saying those words with the, the incorrect tone. Yes. Uh, Bill actually explained why Bob was one of the targets, and here's a quote. Um, Bob Marley was also placing the goals of the CIA in jeopardy and threatening the existence of the United States. He was mm -hmm. succeeding in creating a revolution that used music as a more powerful tool than bullets and bombs. As far as the agency was concerned, Bob Marley was too successful, too famous, too influential. A Jamaican Rasta man who started using his funds and fame to support causes around the world that were in direct con conflict with the CIA. Yeah, God fucking forbid he used his money to do something good, mm -hmm. unlike fucking, um, what's his butt face? Jeff Bezos, who just fucking sent a dick to the moon. What? The dildo looking thing. 
He sent a dildo to No, space. it was a fucking spacecraft, but it looked like oh. a dildo. You don't remember that? It was like two months ago. Where are you? Nah, I kind of been under a rock. <laughs> Not gonna lie. <laughs> I've kind of been hiding. It might have been more than two months ago. It might have been like a while ago. I don't know. I'm Keep talking. Idea. I'll find out. All right. Um, and Willie went on to explain Bob signed his own death warrant by refusing to acknowledge the quote unquote message the CIA was sending. Oxley claimed that the CIA sent a few guys to shoot up Bar- Bob's house in Kingston. Oh. <laughs> I'm so glad you didn't see my face because when you said that, my mind went, what? Ooh. Oh, fuck. <laughs> that sh- makes so much sense. To shoot up Bob's house in Kingston, which apparently happened and left Bob injured in his chest and mm-hmm. arm, as mm-hmm. we found out earlier. So it was uh, it was Bill, Bill Oxley and his men. fucking bill oxley bitch here's uh jeff bezos's dick rocket oh my (laughs) doesn't it look like a dildo yeah he must be watching too much austin powers (laughs) he's becoming dr evil he launched it in july i think yeah hmm. (laughs) so two months ago it's fucking january (laughs) it's It's fine Uh, i have no sense of time it's fine me either time is a social construct um okay so you're fine bill oxley another quote from bill uh we had a message for him we impressed upon him to whoa (laughs) (laughs) let's go back (laughs) we're doing great today uh bill said quote we had a message for him we impressed upon him the gravity of the situation he found himself in he didn't listen two days Two days later in the mountains, I stuck him with a pen. What? We'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. So after the shooting happened in Kingston, Willie explains that Marley moved to the Blue Mountains in Jamaica to practice for a concert coming up. Mm-hmm. The Smile Jamaica. Mm-hmm. At the concert, Oxley claimed he was there and he used press credentials to get in. Mm-hmm. Oxley then proceeded to intru- introduce himself as a famous photographer that worked for the New York Times and even gave Bob Marley a gift, which was Converse. Oh, like Chuck Taylor's The Shoes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They were laced with arsenic. I don't fucking know. And then another quote from Oxley. When he tried on the right shoe, he screamed in pain. That was it. His life was over right then and there. The nail in the shoe was tainted with cancer viruses and bacteria. If it pierced the skin, which it did... It was goodnight nurse. Like I said, this is fucking juicy. What the? Okay. And listen, when I, when we were doing this, I legit had no idea about this. I did not know. Like, I love Bob Marley, but I never, like, got into him where, like, I looked up his life. I never knew how he died. I just knew something happened, and I never knew that there was a conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. I was literally so shook. Yeah, I, what the like, fuck? <laughs> So Willie D says Oxley claims he kept close in contact with uh, Bob during the uh, later years of his life, basically making sure Marley was getting worse instead of getting better. Over the years, Oxley explained that he could tell Bob was changing. And here's another quote. The last time I saw Bob before he died, he had removed the dreadlocks and his weight was dropping like a stone. He was very withdrawn, unbelievably small. He was shrinking in front of us. The cancer had done its job. Well, yeah. Oh my God, that's fucked up. That's fucked up. That's like, like I don't even know. That's like biological warfare. That's so fucked up. 
Oh, that's fucked up. Sorry, I'm... No, you're fine. Oxley also expressed how Bob Marley's death affected him. And here's another quote. The day he died in Miami was definitely one of the most difficult moments in my career. I felt really bad. For a long time, I wasn't comfortable with my part in his death, but eventually I came to realize it had to be done for America. No, fuck this guy. For, like, for America. What was he doing that was so bad? For America. The same shit that Jimi Hendrix and Tupac were doing. They were speaking their fucking mind and trying to get black people equality. God fucking forbid. God forbid. Oh, oh, no. Fuck this Bill Oxley motherfucker. He's dead, right? Yes. Fuck that guy. Yeah, because this was a deathbed confession. But, um, some people don't believe in this theory because apparently that it wasn't actually recorded anywhere that he Right, it's had, just hearsay. Yeah, that he had this conspiracy, but like, I don't know, man. I feel like, I feel like this could actually be true. Like, yeah. I feel like- I feel like he gave a lot of details. Like, the fucking yeah. nail in the shoe thing. Mm-hmm. That's- where else would he come up with that? You know what I mean? Right. Like, I feel like there was a lot of good, like, points that definitely matched matched up with even your research. Right. Like, <sighs> like the, the guy coming in and shooting the three of them. Mm-hmm. And it's a CIA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the CIA is capable I of... would... If I was part of the CIA, I would definitely um say some deathbed confessions, I feel like, so... Oh, yeah. I feel like most members of the CIA do. Like... They've got to like, be telling deathbed confessions to someone. Right, because, like, if you really think about it, even, even like, if they did it and everyone is like, nah, like, he's just AWOL. No. Right. No, I don't believe that. Right. Because, Try like, to play it off like he's fucking crazy or some shit. Yeah. Because what are, what else are you going to do? He died. Right. So, of course, he's going to say some shit and then croak. I yeah. mean. Why wouldn't you tell the truth right before you're about to die? Especially if it's been something that's been weighing on you for your whole life. Like, if you really did feel guilty, mm-hmm. which, like, fuck your guilt, first of all. Second of all. Yeah, he, like, if this is all true, he went through a lot of fucking trouble just yeah. to assassinate him. Right. Right. I'm mad. <laughs> fuck this guy. So, um, I'm actually kind of surprised that there wasn't any, like bob marley's still alive conspiracies i know like literally like i looked up conspiracies and that was it Hmm. literally like all the fucking articles i even kept going well it was a good fucking conspiracy um but apparently i couldn't find anything on it but t.i and busta rhymes actually apparently i guess spoke about it at one point and they believe about the conspiracy yeah and they believe in it but the article that was literally just the headline of the article and then you went to the article and it was just how bob marley died Oh, sweet, thanks. But apparently, allegedly, you know, T.I. and Busta Rhymes believe in this conspiracy. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, wow. What if we uh, hit one of them up and got them as a guest on the show? (laughs) T.I. and Busta Rhymes, are you there? Can you hear me? Probably fucking not. Well, I am surprised, like, even like a reincarnation thing. Yeah. Like, Tupac had one of those. Mm -hmm. But I'm surprised that Bob Marley doesn't. Yeah, that would make sense if there was one. Mm-hmm. I don't, I can honestly say, like, I I think, I believe that, that conspiracy. Like, mm-hmm. I think the CIA is absolutely more than capable of doing things like that, doing shady shit. They have literally their entire existence. And even before they existed, there were other government agencies that were doing shady shit, covering shit up mm-hmm. and whatever. So... I wouldn't put it past them. 
and it sucks that he had to die so young because, well, not that he had to die so young, but it sucks that he did die so young because he was only 36. He had like fucking 11 kids. He would still be around. Yeah, he would. Yeah, he would. He would be like almost 80. So young. Mm -hmm. God. Think about like there is not a single person on this planet that you couldn't that you could say the name Bob Marley and they wouldn't know who he is. Not a single person. I mean, over the age of like twelve. Wait, if you want to hear, you can have my conspiracy theory about Bob Marley actually still being alive. Oh yes, let's hear it. So, when Luke and I went to California, I mm-hmm. think it was like in 20, 2018, 2017, mm-hmm. when something we went. like that. We went to San Diego and. We were actually walking from this Rasta kind of shop. I think it was either like, we either went to like a skate shop or a smoke shop. I can't remember. But we walked out and there was this guy walking across the street with his dog. Like mm-hmm. a little, like a little dog, like hmm. more little than Macy, right? Aww. This dog was dyed Rasta colors, like oh green, yellow, and black. <laughs> That's so and cool. And red. And this guy, swear to fucking God thought it was Bob Marley when I first saw him because of the dog. And then this guy, he was wearing like a big like Rasta hat, dreads. Like the knitted, mm-hmm. the big ass. Mm-hmm. Oh. His dreads just sticking out. Oh. Like, and he was old. I mean, he was pretty mm. old. So, I mean, if Bob Marley actually still alive, he's in San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Marley, are you there? Hello. <laughs> no, but like I had to literally do a double take when... We walked out because I was like, what the fuck? Right. Bob Marley. (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. It sucks. Well, um, next episode is episode 20. We got. Wow. We got some big stuff coming. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Heavy hitter next week. Uh, Check out our Facebook and Instagram. If you want to uh, take a guess at who it is, we'll post um, hints a week before the episode drops and yeah follow us on facebook instagram twitter even though our twitter isn't super active right now no, we don't really use it no we really don't facebook and instagram we'll are the there. way to go i promise yeah. we'll get there <laughs> but um also check out the blog where you can find pictures of all of the artists and also the sources that we have mentioned um yeah murder on the music scene.com and See you never. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I do believe that's all we have, so bye. Goodbye forever. Thank you for listening to Murder on the Music Scene. Our cover art and our music and editing is done by Caitlin Anderson. Check out our website at murderonthemusicscene.com and don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Murder on the Music Scene. If you have suggestions or comments, email us at murderonthemusicscene at gmail.com. All of our episodes are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. If you would like to support us, you can become a patron on Patreon. Just search Murder on the Music Scene or use the link on our website. Make sure to join us next time for another conspiracy-filled episode of Murder on the Music Scene.